Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLamey, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. You are a busy entrepreneur architect. You're hustling to find the next project, meet with clients, keep the bills paid, and if you're lucky, maybe find some time to design. So how do you continue to learn what you need to know to grow? How do you find the information and the training you need to become more effective, more efficient, more successful? I know you're busy because I too am an entrepreneur architect. That's why we built the Entree Architect membership. On the first Wednesday of every month, we invite an expert into the academy and they teach us about one specific topic on how to succeed at business. 60 minutes each month, live training and Q&A then you can get right back to work. And when you're a member, you gain access to so much more. Unlimited access to business resources, a video library, a private member forum with hundreds of entrepreneur architects just like you. Everything you need to build a better business is available right now at Entree Architect. Subscribe today at entrearchitect.com slash join. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 284, and this week, we're talking about high-performance homes with my friend, architect Emily Mottram. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, Arcat the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and so much more at rcat.com. FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting 
and more time doing the work you love. And Gusto, easy payroll, benefits, and HR built for the modern small business. Emily Matram, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Mark. It's great to have you here. Um, we've been friends for a long time online, so it's great to have you on the show here and, and to uh, introduce you to the Entree. Well, I'm not going to introduce you to the Entree Architect community because you're part of that community and actively involved in it, so a lot of people already know who you are. Uh, but let me introduce you to those who don't know who you are. Uh, Emily Matram is a architect based in Cumberland, Maine. Uh, she developed an interest in building science and sustainable design in college. And if she hadn't gone to architecture school, she probably would have gone to architecture or to school for science. Um, in 2009, the market was terrible, as many of us know. Many of us lived through that. That's that was not a good time. So she asked herself, "What am I interested in? And what does Maine need? The location where she's based." And that's where it all started. Emily began offering energy engineering work that taught her how to look at buildings just a little bit differently. And that led to starting design, designing energy efficient, zero energy ready and super insulated homes. She believes that homes have an impact on our physical and social and mental and economic well-being. And that is the foundation of Matram architecture. So Emily, I shared a little bit about you uh, and I want to learn more about you. I want to go dive a little bit deeper in your story and your origin story. So go back to where you discovered architecture, what inspired you to become an architect and give us that story from that moment to what you're doing today. Sure. Hey, uh, so I grew up in Pennsylvania, actually. Um, my, I come from a farming family, uh, although my grandfather was a contractor. And where, where so in Pennsylvania? In Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So okay. most people have been there. And no, I'm yep. not Amish, but uh, <laughs> lots of Amish community there. That's usually the first question people ask me. Yeah. Um, I have, I have family grow- in, in Reading, well, the area, Sinking oh. Springs. Yeah, not, not too far, about yeah. an hour outside of Lancaster. So, yep. um, but yeah, so I grew up in a farming community. My grandfather was a contractor. And so in my teen years, we did a lot of Habitat for Humanity type work in the summertime. He had a solar panel on his roof uh, for as long as I can remember from when he he built his house. And so it was always kind of something in the forefront. And when you grow up in a farming community, you have no idea that you, you basically grow up farm to table just because. <laughs> but I was really interested. Um, he was also a woodworker. And so I was really interested in high school. We had a technical high school and we could take drafting and woodworking classes. And I took drafting and my drafting teacher said to me, architecture school is really hard. And I said, sign me up. And (laughs) that is at 18, how I went to architecture school. So, (laughs) um, I was always really interested in art and science and it was kind of the perfect marriage between the two. My dad said, you can't go to art school, go do something practical. And, uh, and so I thought, well, if I can get into architecture school, that's what I'll do. Um, Penn state is actually a really uh, Pennsylvania has five architecture schools and Penn State is a, is a difficult school to get into. Um, they take about 100 students. And after five years, we graduated 30 or 33, somewhere in the 30s. Uh, so but it was um, something that I really enjoyed uh, in school. And then I moved to Washington, D.C. out of school. And back in 2005, the market was pretty good. So I moved to Washington, D.C. and I was working for a high end residential architect in Washington, D.C. But my family lived in Pennsylvania and my husband's family lived in Maine. So we flipped a coin and (laughs) he won. 
and I moved to Maine. And uh, in the first week that I was here, it snowed 10 feet. And after living in Washington, D.C. for two years where they got no snow, I was like, what did I do? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I knew when I moved here, I wanted to work for an architect that did more energy efficient work. And so that was my focus. Um, In D.C., I took the lead exam back when there was only one lead exam uh, for new construction. And um, I came up here, worked for an architect that did uh, more efficient um, design work than what I was doing in D.C. They weren't quite as interested um, in the, in the high end firm down there. And so, um, but then 2009 came around and it was considered gainfully unemployed to be an architect. And I thought, you know, there has to be a better way than making buildings efficient after you've already designed it. And so I got into doing a lot of energy consulting because then the state was sending, uh, or the government was sending money to all the states to do energy improvements, um, which was really great. And it got me in into a lot of people's homes that um, needed to be retrofit because Maine has some of the oldest housing stock in the country. We just sort of keep it around up here. But they used to own the back 40 and burn 10 cords of wood, but nobody owns the back 40 anymore. And they heat with fuel oil, which most parts of the country are like, fuel oil, what? What is that? Uh, (laughs) And so trying to think about how to get off of fuel oil in rural communities and how to improve these existing structures that we already have and then how to translate that into my own practice, um, designing new construction and renovation projects as well. And um, that was kind of my background, did a bunch of large scale energy projects across the whole country. And um, Kind of pretty amazing. You can replace a thousand toilets and save millions of dollars and then do other energy upgrades. So um, just kind of a fascinating journey. I did the lead exam. Then I did uh, I did the state energy auditing exam. Then I did the HERS rating. So I'm actually a HERS rater, um, which is the, the standard for, you know, which they use a lot with the zero energy home projects. Um, it also covers energy star. And then, you know, because I didn't have enough certifications, I also did the passive house design course as well. So, um, and I, you learn something different in every certification that you take uh, and how every different program approaches it. And then, Um, I apply that to all of my projects, but not kind of requiring anybody to do a certification program because some of them can be kind of expensive, um, you know, to hit targets like Passive House or to participate in the lead exam. Um, But that's kind of how my business got started. And then it's transitioned a little bit into, you know, energy efficient homes is great. Um, Maine, we have a lot of heating degree days. It's cold here. We like to say nine months of the year. We have three seasons, uh, winter, road construction, and mud season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, heating and and uh, and everything is really important here. And so something that we wanted to do. But also then when you're building these energy efficient houses, they need to um, have healthy indoor air quality. And the lighting needs to be great. I mean, nobody wants to live in a dark box in Maine when, you know, the daylight is short and it's cold. So we spend a lot of time just thinking about how people's um, mental and and social and healthy 
environments when you spend 90% of your time indoors and, and a large portion of that in your home specifically. So thinking about all of those things from how the sun maps across the inti- inside space with daylight planning and, you know, fresh air systems or people here like wood stoves, which are a little bit difficult to do in a high performance house. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but <laughs> yeah. You know, so so there's just there's so many things that kind of go into it. And just what I was really interested in, you know, the science behind building and then the art and how you felt in your space. And that that's kind of where we where we got started or how we got started, I guess I should say. Would so. you would you say that your brand, Matram Architecture, is is the brand is energy efficient homes or is it more of a brand that's architecture and you're just that's just the way you're doing it are you are you focused on one or the other i would say that we're more focused on energy efficient homes because for that that is what we're known for it's sort of what we say we do it's why people come to us sort of specifically um i have a really firm belief that you know architecture is definitely in the eye of the beholder and pretty much every architect designs things that are beautiful. Um, and so, you know, if you're just comparing, you know, one to one, then it's, it's a personal preference on style. Um, and so what we bring to the table is hopefully something that you like and is aesthetically pleasing, but, um, is also, you know, this performance piece. And so it performs well, it lives well, it's healthy, you know, it's inspiring to live in. It's something that you don't want to sell in five years and move to another house. Like you, you live here has a purpose. Um, so I would say that we're really more on the building science end. Like you come to us because we do building science and then we design you something that's beautiful. <laughs> right, right. If that answers the question. Yes, it does. What, what year or how long have you been practicing as Matram architecture? Uh, technically since 2009. So when the market got bad, I started my own business um, and I did a lot of teaching and energy consulting in, you know, with architecture till it kind of grew where there was more architecture and less consulting. Um, although we still do a little bit of consulting and um, two instructors that I've taught for in the past are both, you know, Hey, can you come teach? Do you want to come teach? And so a <laughs> little bit of teaching, a yeah. little bit of energy consulting, a lot more architecture. It sounds, it sounds uh, obviously you were, it, it's in your blood, you know, grandpa yes. was a builder, solar panels on the roof. So, yep. it, so uh, since you've been alive, this has been a part of you. When you started the architecture firm, uh, was it intentional right from the beginning that we we're building uh, an energy efficient home architecture studio that, that the brand from day one was going to be that? Yeah, um, I think from day one, we knew that anything that we provided to somebody else, we wanted to be better than a code built house that was really thoughtful in, you know, performance and how it's cited in, in everybody's budget is a little bit different. So, you know, you kind of have to work with things. And then through the different certifications in different years, building science is constantly changing. There's new products, new technologies, new ways to do things. So I think we're getting better at it, but it was always the the thought from the very beginning that what we did would try to give you the best that we could within your budget to be efficient. Yeah. Are you, are you in Cumberland? Is that, um, a, a rural area or is it more an urban area? What type of 
Where are you? Cumberland babe? is Cumberland is sort of uh, what I would call a suburb of Portland, which okay. is kind of the the biggest city here in yeah. in Maine. Um, a lot of Maine is very rural, and um, there are some people that are looking to build energy efficient houses or off the grid houses in rural locations. But I would say the majority of um, what people are doing are building on the coast um, or building in these kind of communities that are outside of Portland. So, um, so it's it's more of a of a it's not in the city, but it's just right outside of the city of Portland. And is, are most of your projects? in in your local area or are you working all over Maine and maybe all over the country? Um, most of my projects are all over Maine. Um, I, we have, we have projects from the, you know, the Southern end kind of up into, uh, we have a client who's coming who wants to build in what we call the County, which is the less populated part of, of Maine up closer to, uh, Acadia, which most people have, have at least heard of. And, um, but we also do work in New Hampshire. We've done work in New York and Pennsylvania and one project in Texas a while ago. <laughs> Are you still consulting? Um, still doing a little bit of consulting. It really depends on um, the client and what they're they're trying to do. So we've done some consulting on existing houses. Somebody will come to us with a plan set and we'll go over the energy performance uh, with them and things that they should do or think about or change. Um, I've done, uh, as a HERS rater, I've done inspections as well. So the builder might call us up and say, um, can you come at, you know, X number of times during construction and take a look at the foundation insulation and the wall insulation and, you know, do your blower door testing and everything. So we've done a little bit of that, not doing as much of that these days, just because we're, we're busy with our own work. Um, and then we've done some consulting also as the owner's rep for people who are building, maybe they're out of state and they want us kind of involved in, in the process. So. Do you, do you find that it's difficult to find clients who are interested in doing what you do or, or is it because you built a brand around it, you're attracting the people who are looking for it? Um, I think because we've built a brand around it, we're attracting the people who are looking for it, uh, our social media channels and everything that we post on our website. I did a blog for a number of years. It was all geared around those keywords that, you know, people are starting to hear, um, you know, more and more and the people are, are starting to use, um, you know, the high performance homes or green building or eco house or sustainable. Um, and so we built a brand around that. So I think that people find us because of that. Um, I also, uh, you know, for marketing and SEO, try to, you know, if there's three architecture magazines up here, I'm going to go with the one that does energy work, you know, so there's green and healthy homes, Maine, like I'm going to be in that magazine because people who pick up that magazine are looking for what we are, are selling, you know? Um, and so we've been kind of specific about what we want to do. I might be a little bit in a unique situation where people who come to Maine are really interested in the environment and conservation. And so maybe they're a little bit more interested in, you know, how they can achieve that, which um, in some parts of the country, I don't know if people care as much. Um, I think somebody posted on Entre Architects that oh, Ohio passed the worst energy bill or, or was it Ohio? I don't even remember. Somebody in the country just passed like the worst energy bill ever. Um, although from an energy perspective, we 
don't want people doing the wrong thing and then giving us a bad name because it's actually really easy to screw up uh, when you're doing something in a high performance uh, house and you decide to change one thing that has a major effect on Mm -hmm. everything else. Um, And so uh, it's terrible that they pass a a horrible energy uh, thing. But I also think that there's probably a level of of knowledge and understanding that people should should have to kind of get to some of these levels that code is requesting now. Um, So but um, yeah, I would say that people come to us because we specifically do high performance or energy efficient homes that maybe Maine has a really strong passive house community. They have a really great, um, they have a really great, uh, performance building supply, which is a, a building supply company that really specializes in just, you know, high performance building products. Um, and he also does a building science discussion group, which is fantastic. So um, those of us that are kind of interested in the technical pieces can go and learn more about that. Um, so so there's, there's a really good um, group of people here in Maine. And because Maine is really small, maybe we're all starting to know each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, social um, media will do that too. Yeah, social media will do that. I know, right? The the Entree Architect group is, I know, 2,500 other architects. That's crazy. <laughs> right. um, but but yeah, so, so I don't know if some of it is that New England is, um, New Hampshire and Massachusetts have much better energy programs, but um, up here, maybe as more of a necessity than, than in other parts of the country as people are, are starting to ask for it more or know more about it or are more interested in that environmental impact to yeah. try to keep, try to keep Maine the way it is. Yeah. And so. the wet and the weather probably helps as well because people, you know, they want to be warm. They want to have efficient homes. They're spending a lot of money when they're, you know, using fuel oil is expensive. Um, and so there's sort of the economic side as well that, that sort of starts mm-hmm. to get people's gears turning and saying, well, is there a better way to do this? Yeah, um, definitely the economic side. And I think when we started talking about economics, uh, it started to help. Um, you know, before when solar panels were really expensive, people just wouldn't do them. And then, you know, in 2010, when that changed and solar panels became um, a lot more affordable for the average person and you could prove the economics of, you know, it'll pay for itself before it's usable life. Um, people started to do that. And then we had a really poor energy policy here in Maine and we had people who did solar in spite of our poor energy. And so I think when you can start talking economics with people, um, they really understand it. And that doesn't always mean that people have the extra percentage in the upfront to, to build it that way. So we work with people and say, okay, here are the things you really should do now because it's so much harder to change later. And here are the things that you could kind of add on as you save the the money. You know, the building envelope is so much more important. And if we face it to the south, you can come back in three years and put solar panels on the roof or something like that. Um, and so uh, the economics of it definitely helped people to to buy into it because before you just had to do it because you were really interested in you know the environmental impact like you were doing it for a different reason than i would say uh your normal standard homeowner was interested in um and at the same time there is still a struggle to talk with 
them about economics because it might be a little bit more in the upfront. But if, if they let me talk for long enough, I can prove to them that the extra they would be spending in their mortgage would be offset by the savings that they would have in their utility bills every month. And so in the end, you're spending the same amount of money, but you're getting a much better product out of it. Um, and that, you know, I can agree that energy costs will continue to go up. So if you don't improve it, you will just continue to use more and that will just get more expensive every year. And so, um, but it's a slightly different mindset to get people to think about, you know, here's, here's the, the, uh, estimate from the contractor that has X dollars on it. And I want to say, okay, I want you to look at that. Then I want you to look at your mortgage. Then I want you to look at your utility bills and I, you know, um, and um, there's this great thing called an energy efficient mortgage, which exists all over the country. And most people hear about it uh, when they sign on their house, like that last day when you sign yeah, all the paperwork. Yeah. But you need to know about it like a couple of months in advance to know what you could do differently to kind of improve the efficiency of it. And um, but it takes time and it takes work. And, you know, it's 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 like doing another inspection on your house. And so you choose to do a home inspection and you choose to do this energy efficient mortgage. And then you have to find the lender that can do it. So there's, there's a lot of complications, but there's, there's stuff out there or programs out there that people could buy into to get into a a more efficient house. Um, But again, it comes back to that education is people have to know that it's out there for them to take advantage of. We will be right back to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, Gusto, and FreshBooks. So your boss asks you to put together the CAD details for your firm's next project. So what do you do? What's the next step? Is it using a basic internet search? Do you Google it and only to find out that there's a bunch of outdated or incompatible details available? Grabbing the details from your latest project, the last project, and and hoping that they fit? Well, there is an easier, faster, less stressful way to get the information you need. Yes, it's our friends at RCAT, RCAT RCAT.com. RCAT is the number one most used website for finding building product information and has over 15,000 CAD details ready for you based on real manufacturers' products. They're not outdated. They're all up to date. They're all what you need. They are waiting for you, waiting for you to search for them and find them on RCAT. Use their powerful search engine to find the right files for your project. And best of all, this is the best part. It's free. You don't even have to register. You don't even need to give them your email address. It's just there waiting for you. Go to RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com and start building better content. So do you remember when you started your small firm? It was no small feat, right? It took lots of late nights, early mornings, and maybe even an occasional all-nighter. The bottom line is you've been insanely busy ever since. So why not make things a little bit easier? Well, our friends at FreshBooks has a solution for you. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners like us. It's simple, it's intuitive, and it keeps you way more organized than the dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. Create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. File expenses even quicker and keep them perfectly organized for tax time 
And the best part, FreshBooks grows alongside your business, so you'll always have the tools that you need when you need them, without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it for free right now. Try it for free for 30 days. No catch, no credit card. Visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. And enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started. Payroll and benefits. Ah, those are two words that make my spine itch. <laughs> Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business, a small firm owner like us, right? You don't have the time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations. And the old school payroll providers, they just aren't built for the way that we work today. Gusto is making payroll and benefits and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does all the heavy lifting for us, so it's easy to get it right. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service for your team. To help support our show, the Entree Architect Podcast, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months for free once you run your first payroll. Just go to entrearchitect.com slash gusto, entrearchitect.com slash G-U-S-T-O slash G-U-S-T-O and claim your free three months of payroll processing now. That's entrearchitect.com slash gusto. RCAT, FreshBooks, and Gusto. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Andre Architect community. And you're working hard at that. You've been doing that for a long time with on, online and doing social media for a long time. You recently started a podcast to talk about these these topics and this, this information. Um, and so is that all intentional in order to sort of pre-educate your client base? Yeah, um, it really is all intentional um, to to get the word out there and get people to start asking for, for some of these things and to sort of have another level of understanding. Um, here in Maine, our builders actually don't have to be licensed. And so anybody with a sticker on the side of the truck could be a contractor. And, um, and I don't know if this is across the board for other architects, it would be really interesting to hear. But, you know, a lot of times we get thrown under the bus with the contractor is like they have the set of plans. They say, you know, they go to the homeowner, the homeowner says that's too expensive, then they cut something out of it. And so in the high performance world, when they cut something out, and this is the worst possible thing, but everybody cuts out the insulation package. Like, stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um but, you know, that can have a really big uh, effect on something. And for some reason, there's this really high level of trust for for builders, um, you know, pretty much everywhere. Like they've been doing it for 25 years. They just know better. Um, and so getting people to kind of understand why we do things the way we do beforehand, then they know when they're sitting down with that builder, they're like, oh, wait, well, we, maybe we shouldn't do that. Or maybe we should ask the architect um, who's involved. And um, Mike and Mike and I, uh, Mike Mains, sorry, and Bob Swinburne uh, did a podcast um, two weeks ago, I think, where we talked a little bit about this. And the three of us really feel strongly about almost an integrated design build approach is that you get the builder to come on uh, early. You get builders who who really are starting to to understand it. The client gets a better product because they're getting um, they're getting the builder's input from the beginning. Cause as you know, as architects, we could draw it and 
you have six builders bid it and they'd all build it a different way, no matter what your drawings say, uh, which is kind of fascinating. Um, so when you can kind of build that into the process from the beginning, the client's getting more for their money. You know, we're getting more, everybody's happy. The builder knows, you know, why we're doing some kind of strange things. They're like, Emily, you want me to do what? <laughs> Sometimes with building science, there are some, some crazy things, but everybody adds value to that. And I don't know if that's more residential construction because we only do residential. Um, I, I'm assuming you couldn't do that really in commercial work uh, or not as easily maybe, but we're trying to move away from the the bid construction um, just because I think when the whole team is on board, you get a better product yeah. out of it, especially with the high performance uh, aspects and um, you know, everybody wants a beautiful granite countertop, but if I can save you $5,000 in the first year with the insulation package, you can afford your granite countertops next year. Those are easy to change. Right. And residential clients are, you know, they don't really know the process as well as most commercial clients. And so if you present the, the process as this is the way we do it, you know, and you build a team with contractors that are working uh, either for you and you do design build or you come in as a joint venture, as a team. This is a, this is if you want to work with us. This is how we work. We work with these contractors, um, and you can pick from this selection of contractors uh, because you know maybe they're certified by you or just established an understanding and relationship. I think also one of the things that are super important. Um, you were talking about the influence of the contractor on the on the owner, uh, and the. And how at times that may undermine your decisions later in the process. Um, that's why it's so important to develop uh, that trusted advisor role uh, as the architect, and and to really need to do that early on, um, and provide construction administration so you're involved in the process during construction. So many architects are giving that part of the project away and not even serving construction administration. Um, totally lose control when you do that because you're not even involved in the project. It makes it so much easier for the architect or for the contractor to undermine you or just point fingers when things get rough. It's not my problem. I didn't do it. The architect did it. And you're not even there to defend yourself. Um, yeah. And I think that that's a big problem in rural communities and something that we've definitely talked about up here. Bob and I have had that conversation is, you know, when you when you don't stay involved uh, in the process, you you can have those. And, you know, it, in any architecture project, that's a that's a problem. Uh, and in a high performance build, it, it can be a major issue. Yeah. You know, if you end up with water in your wall cavity system because the you know, maybe there was a change that was made and somebody didn't understand the the impact of, you know, how that heat drives the moisture through the type of insulation you have and then you've got rotten sheathing and you take it apart a year later and you have a major problem it's like oh well you know nobody called me to talk about that so um but actually that kind of brings me back to this other thing that we've got going on which i know you and i were chatting beforehand uh, about different things uh, of, you know, business. And um, we've started developing uh, semi-customizable plan sets for oh, people to kind of bridge the gap between somebody who wants a fully custom designed house. And, and that's a, that's a very particular um, client and we love to do custom and we'll design you whatever you want. But then there's also this market, which is kind of in the middle, I would say, that isn't really being served. They're not the people who are building, you know, just a, a, a code 
performance house. There are people who are really interested in it. They can't understand uh, maybe 2D drawings. And I don't know if you run into this a lot, but I find that most people don't understand two-dimensional drawings. Um, so we've started developing plan sets and they're semi-customizable. So you can do a little bit of changing within reason. Um, and we have a couple of prototypes that you can come and walk through because that's really key to people, especially because our high performance homes are trying to reduce square footage. Square footage is just a number. It's not even a thing. I think these McMansions just happen because you, you, you have space. So whatever, but then you end up with awkward, weird space that, you know, you're like, I have a 3000 square foot house, but you only use like a thousand square feet of it. So, um, you know, we're really working on it, but then someone will look at it and go, this house is only, you know, 1500 square feet. That's not big enough. And I was like, come see it and we'll show you how it works. Um, that's important but, to have that ability to walk through it and experience it and understand immediately that this house would work for us. Right. But unlike uh, going to houseplans.com and downloading a plan set with our plan sets, you actually get us through construction. So we're actually going to come be the owner's rep during that. We're going to do inspections of the insulation and all the energy performance measures. We're going to talk to your contractor first. Um, if you're in our target area, we'll go. If not, um, the way I think that I'm going to develop it right now, we've only really attracted people that are in our target area. But if it moves outside of our target area, um, which should not be beyond New England right now at this point, because these are really cold climate homes. They're yeah. meant specifically for the Northeast. Um, but connect you with the HERS Raider system where you would have somebody that could show up and do all of the energy aspects and you can still call me during construction to ask all of your questions. Um, so we, we practiced it with a homeowner. Uh, they've been in their house now for a year. And I said, I'm going to be involved the whole time through construction. You're going to tell me what the value is. You're going to have uh, me be able to answer any questions that you have. I'm your owner's rep. And we're going to, we're just going to monitor this and see how, how this is going to work out with this plan set. Um, and they want me to add a section uh, to the podcast called, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which I need to do that um, because it, it it's really funny. And uh, they're a great group of people. They knew they were building a slab on grade house. They didn't actually understand what that meant. So they thought they were just going to pour the concrete on the ground. So they get there and the contractor's digging a trench for a frost wall and, you know, all of these things. And they're like, well, we don't, we don't understand. They, their understanding was that, you know, it would be a concrete floor and that was kind of the the level of understanding they had on that particular piece. And so it's fascinating for me as the architect to be reminded to go back that, you know, your client doesn't understand all of these technical pieces and, right. uh, you know, even the the building science pieces. And and we have attracted people who are really interested in building science. And those, those are the people who um, are even a, a lot of fun because they want to know every technical aspect of how the mini split heat pump system works in conjunction and spreads the air and the ERV and the technical pieces. Um, we just are finishing up a net positive house and they have a 48 panel solar array on their roof, which is crazy. I think it's like negative 25. That is not factoring in uh, their electric car, which is going to take up, you know, a, a, a good chunk of the, the excess um, to, to power that. But um, they were just so interested in every aspect of the building science. And so I think that, 
you know, there's kind of this fine line between people who, who want to live in a really healthy home um, that's efficient, um, or they want to retire here to Maine and they want to go to Florida for three months and they don't want to worry about frozen pipes. Um, or the people who just want to understand the technology. What do you mean we can take out a central heating plant in, you know, in a house and we can heat our whole house with one, you know, wall unit that, uh, that, that heats the space, you know, in the, in the winter time. Um, so it's been kind of fun and, and fascinating for us and just trying to, I started the podcast because apparently um, people don't read anymore or they don't like <laughs> to read. <laughs> that is not me. I I've love noticed to read. that trend. But people are moving towards that. And maybe it's because we're busier and we spend more time in our cars um, that podcasts are more convenient. Um, but my mom has said since childhood that I just really like to talk. And so what better way than to do a podcast that talks about what I'm super interested in? <laughs> and, you know, it gives kind of the same information as uh, as reading the blog or, you know, going back through and then you can find it on iTunes. You can download old episodes and you can just listen to it, you know, at will when you're in your car. Um, what's, what's, what's the name of the podcast so people can find it? Sure. The podcast is called E3 Energy and Efficiency with Emily. <laughs> and um, it's really all about um, energy efficiency, architecture, building science, and, you know, female entrepreneurship. Like, what do I bring to the table that's slightly different than, you know, that the average architect? Um, I don't know. Well, I guess I do know. I read somewhere that only 17% of registered architects are, are women. And um, maybe... It, everything takes a little bit longer in Maine than everywhere else. So most of the registered architects that I know in Maine are also men uh, and some really great building science architects here. So certainly no complaints, but you know, is, is there something that's different about that? I don't know. So, so starting this podcast to just talk about everything and trying to remember to keep it homeowner centric and uh, a little bit less techie yeah um for those people who want to learn about more of the techie stuff i also teach building science classes and i will happily sit down with you for hours and get into the weeds of all of the different uh, parts and pieces that make up the science behind it but i think for most people they just want to understand the basic level of health and economics and how to operate the space and um i did a a podcast with one of our homeowners who lives in one of our high performance houses so that other homeowners could hear how they felt about it. And it's even a surprise to me what they talk about. And he's like, it's so quiet in here. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like, oh yeah, uh, right. You know, it, it's going to be quiet with, you know, double stud walls that are dense backed with cellulose. Like it's going to be quiet. Okay. I need you to remember to talk about the fact that it'll be quiet. <laughs> right. Exactly. The, by, by interviewing past clients, you'll get information that you can then repurpose for your marketing. Right. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's exciting to hear all the different pieces that you're working on. Um, I want to hear more about the plan set business model that you're, that you're, um, starting maybe when as you develop it and it's you sort of execute on it i'd love to have you come back and talk specifically about that uh, about yeah. how you're promoting it and how you're pricing it and how you're executing on it because i love the hybrid model of this plan set plus service 
Um, and uh, I think it's a great way to, to provide uh, a service that architects um, can, can sell that way. Yeah. And I think that that was kind of what started it was that, you know, it's not really a great value to you to, to buy a plan set online. Um, you know, we've had people come to us with a plan set that they found that they loved that structurally you just can't hold it up here. We've got a 90 pounds, uh, snow load. So, you know, that house that was built for Florida looks beautiful, but is this not going to work here? Um, but also that, you know, you don't know what, you don't know, <laughs> hence the section of the the uh, podcast. But, um, you know, the average homeowner doesn't think about kind of all the things. They're just like, oh, this plan, you know, looks good. And maybe it's okay, but having the architect be involved so that you really get everything out of it that you want, I think, is, is a critical piece. And so we didn't want to just sell plan sets. We wanted to sell plan sets with, you know, with an owner advocate so that you you get what you think you're getting out of it because you can also too uh, you know buy uh, you can buy some other there are some other companies that have um, high performance home plan sets that are available but then if you give it to um, a builder who's never built a high performance home they might m make a simple change like oh you know Mitsubishi heat, heat pumps are are expensive and I'm gonna change out to this other brand of heat pumps and not realizing that not all heat pumps work it to negative five degrees. And so now you can't keep the temperature inside the house above, you know, I would say 55 because they don't get super, if you do it right, they don't get really cold on the inside. They sort of maintain right, a temperature. Right. Um, but again, that just comes back to if you do one, one thing kind of a little bit wrong, you could have a, a major impact. And it might be something that in standard building wouldn't, really have been a, an issue. People substitute products all the time. Um, but I thought that, you know, so many things can happen with a high performance build that it's just so important to, you know, and I, I it maybe even in general, um, with any house plans, um, you know, specifically in the Northeast, we have just these high performance ones, but as an architect, uh, you know, if you have a couple of plans available, it's still in your client's best interest for you to be involved during the process to make sure they're getting what they expect to get because they don't know any different. It was always my biggest gripe with the early versions of lead where you could, um, you could participate in the categories you wanted to, but you didn't have to participate in all of them. And a lot of people skipped number eight, which was energy performance. And so they would have, they were doing things that were really fantastic, locally sourced materials and being close to, you know, within walking distance and, you know, driving down those things. But then the, the building itself just, you know, used a lot of energy. It's like, right. oops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think that, you know, having the architect involved is just a critical piece and that's, maybe my personal thought on that. Well, I think it's a, um, I think it's a great business decision too. You know, because yeah. it's not just now now you're not just selling the plan, but you're additionally selling a service. Correct. And so you can just you just upsold uh, you know, a product that somebody could just purchase and walk away with. Now you have not only do you get the additional revenue, but now you have more control and you can ensure assure that the plan actually is executed the way it should be. It's a great idea. So yeah. when when that gets more down the road yeah, because my, with me. I'd love to to talk more about that. 
Yeah, because my pie in the sky idea um, would be I would love to be the the Joanna Gaines of high performance building, uh, maybe across the country in the future, but starting in the Northeast is what if there was a houseplans.com, but not houseplans.com landing page where somebody who was interested in it could come. There were several architects who, you know, submitted their plans on there. And we had this community of people who who created something that was just better and that people, you know, cause everybody has a different design aesthetic. And so yeah. there's so much value in multiple architects being part of it. And, and so that's maybe my, I don't know when, when you write a business plan, you should, what it's like one, three, five year goal. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's a goal that I have that I hope that would come to fruition and that maybe then there would be architects who are really interested in energy efficiency in other parts of the country and it would have, you know, the United States has so many different climate zones is if you're looking for a plan that works, yeah. it should work for your climate zone. So you go to houseplans.com, you can buy a plan set that you could, in theory, build anywhere. But it maybe isn't the best use of that plan in that area. And so if you could look climate specifically, you could maybe still get the style that you're looking for, but something that really works for, you know, your particular, you know, hot and dry or hot and humid or really, really cold. (laughs) Well, I, I, uh, I look forward to seeing that website because I, I, I I don't think it's as pie in the sky as you think it's, I think it could, could be, you know, put together pretty quickly uh, with and just sort of do it as a minimal viable product. Uh, yeah. Get some traffic to it and prove the prove the concept, and then just keep building it and building it, building it into the dream of what you want it to be. I think that's yeah. that's a great idea, and uh, and it, and it just takes somebody enough guts to to do it. And it to sounds it. it sounds yeah. like you're the one to do it, so you should execute on that. <laughs> um, and if you need any, I, yeah, if you need I, any I inspiration should. or motivation, we can connect offline, and I'm happy to to, to talk. I, I was going to say you. maybe you should help help me with that to to the the part of that that you know I I haven't quite garnered is is the idea is there. It's great is to, you know, make a couple of connections to make that work. And then, you know, the, uh, who has the, the right kind of email list or, you know, marketing, whatever to say, okay, yeah. like, how do we get this out to, you know, a couple of people? So we should definitely yeah. connect. Well, the line. podcast so- is going to help you do that too. Keep growing the podcast. You'll build a community, build a list that goes along with the podcast and you'll build that community. Um, yeah. and then the community will be there to, to, um, to, purchase from that site. And then that, that community will help spread it. I'd love to talk to you about that more. So we'll do that. We'll connect offline and then we'll come back and do a podcast about it too. So we can (laughs) share what we've, what we've talked about to the rest, or maybe we'll do the whole thing on another podcast. Um, but let's wrap up today's conversation with the the final question. What is one thing a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Um, I think what was the best thing that I ever did, um, and this I think is because um, there are a large portion of architects who go into business for themselves. I think in architecture school, they should make you take business classes. They don't, but it would be good, um, would be to either connect with you through the entre leadership um, exam, or if you're young and starting out in 2009, I was really young and I didn't have any excess money and I lucked into an amazing score advisor. And so I think that my one suggestion would be, uh, get a business coach. It is absolutely 
critical. If you, if you have the money to do it with, um, with you very specifically architects and you understand the architect business model, um, or with a score advisor and they're not all good. So if you end up with one that doesn't quite seem to be the right fit, uh, keep trying, um, and then get, um, what is it? The E-Myth Architect and read that. Uh, worst case scenario, start with that book. Those, so those are my my suggestions to how to build a better business for architecture because we should all be working on that. That's a great suggestion. It's SCORE, just for anybody who um, doesn't understand what SCORE is. Uh, SCORE is, uh, it's what is, it? what is it? I'm looking it up. Do you remember what SCORE stands for? I don't remember what the acronym is uh, offhand. It's kind of like the it's, Small Business Administration. Yeah, but. It's, it's retired executives. The RE is retired yeah. executives. Um, and so basically it's people who've been through business. They're usually more seasoned people that sort of uh, are want to help and mentor other people who are starting and growing businesses. And uh, I believe most of their services are free. And so you can go there and, and get an advisor and basically have a coach that helps you build your business. Um, that's a great idea. So, yeah. so thank you for sharing that. Um, Emily, the uh, website is matramarch.com, M-O-T-T-R-A-M arch.com. You can learn everything you want to learn about uh, Emily there. Um, Emily is very active on social media, on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. So if you want to find her, you can find her on any of those. Just search for Emily Matram. You're, you're pretty much Matram Arch everywhere, right? Pretty much Matram Arch everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Matram Arch or Matram Architecture, pretty much everywhere. And that'll get you to me. Um, and then there are links from my website and all my social media channels to the podcast. So you can listen to the podcast on iTunes or on the uh, on my Facebook channel. And technically, we have a YouTube channel, but we're only just kind of getting into video. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, podcasting is hard enough. Focus on the podcasting. Yes. Build a, build a community there. That And... YouTube is so important too. So it's uh, just, there's so many different pieces. I know so many different pieces to the SEO puzzle. So uh, doing maybe a couple of video intros to the podcast that would link YouTube and the podcast back together. So hopefully for the future. So there's never enough time to do all these things. (laughs) So go search uh, Matra March, go check out matramarch.com and subscribe to the podcast. Do that right now. Go, go to E3, you search up E3 and you'll find it right away. Uh, And, uh, and go listen. It's a really great show. You're doing a great job with it. Thanks for sharing your knowledge on the, on your podcast. And thanks for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Yeah. Thank you. No, I really appreciate you having me on. And if there's something specific that people want to hear about on my podcast, reach out. Okay, that was episode 284. The link to share is entrearchitects.com slash 284. Please share that link. Share it with a friend. That helps us grow the community here. It helps us get the word out about what we're doing here at Entree Architect because this podcast is just a little piece of the rest of the world of what we're doing here. And uh, we just want to make sure the whole entire world of Entree Architects out there know what we're doing. So share this link. It's entrearchitect.com slash 284 to share it with one person. That's it. If we share it with one person, we can make a significant in- impact with the, with the community here. So entrearchitect.com slash episode 284. Emily Matram, thank you. Thank you for all you shared with this episode. Super interesting. Everybody should be checking out the membership page at entrearchitect.com slash join. Just check it out to see what's available 
and how we can help you build a better business. Because if you are an entrepreneur architect who runs or owns your own small firm, then you are an entree architect. And I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect because entree architects can change the world. One project at a time. Love, learn, share what you know. Thanks for listening and have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. 
Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.